Hi, everybody. It is Olivia, and I am back with the Center for Justice Social Work podcast. And today we are doing a special podcast in celebration of Pride Month. So I am going to introduce our special guest, and he's going to tell you a little bit about himself. So, Lyndon, go right ahead. Thanks, Olivia, and thanks for having me. It's wonderful to be here. I am the president of PFLAG Skagit, a little bit north of where you folks are. We represent the LGBTQ plus community in terms of support, advocacy, and education about that community. A um, little bit about my own background. Um, I have a law degree. I have a master's in clinical psychology. I've done various things in my life um, and um, was at Skagit Valley College for the last 13 years of my career teaching psychology. So that's a little bit of my background and why I'm here talking about this. Awesome. We are so lucky to have you. I'm so glad that you could join us today. So the first thing I wanted to jump in to talk about is just some common mental health trends that we're seeing in the LGBTQ community. Anything that you're kind of noticing with your clients or just with people that you're interacting with? Uh, good question and broad, a broad answer. Mm -hmm. um, in some ways, it depends on where people fall on the LGBTQ plus community. When you're talking about this group, you're covering a lot of different identities, a lot of different sexual orientations. So to lump it into you know, one given area would be really tough. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to talk about most of the mental health disorders that you come into contact with just in a general practice, which Perfect. is depression, anxiety, substance abuse, uh, suicidal ideation, suicidal attempts as a product of those, post-traumatic stress disorder, um, particularly if you're talking about the transgender community and also the gay community. These folks have suffered a lot of abuse and in some instances physical assault so ptsd is always something attention to eating disorders are particularly problematic with trans uh, feminine folks so that's an important area um let's see what else that oh the big one with um, the trans community is gender dysphoria which has to do with discomfort and distress. I mean, you could lump, you could say it's depression and anxiety, but there is this particular area that's called gender dysphoria that has to do with one's discomfort over one's gender uh, and gender identity. And there's a number of criteria that go into that diagnosis. Yeah, so I think, kind of what you're saying too is that it, it it does look a lot like the general population that we see you know in practice but i think what we kind of notice that's different is sometimes the path that gets them there right you know it's kind of very specific to the identities that they have and the experiences they have because of those identities and you know their sexual orientation and one um statistic that I found that um, I'm looking into a program for teens um, you know that we're kind of creating in the next couple months and one thing I saw was that um, teens that identify with the LGBTQ plus community are six times more likely to experience depression than non-identifying teens and I just thought that was like a wow statistic and um, you know, obviously our teens are experiencing a lot more depression, anxiety, you know, because of COVID and everything, the changes that are going on, especially that age group, but just like that six times more likely. And, you know, we don't really have that focus in a lot of our practices. So I just 
that was a big one for me where I was like, man, that needs to be something that we definitely address with, with the kids that we work with. Well, good for you because um, probably one of the biggest areas right now of need is with teen support because these youth really have big issues going on and they don't have anywhere to go. And if you look at the trans, queer, non-binary population, you know, 41% of these kids will attempt suicide during adolescence. So this is a high risk group which scares a lot of therapists off um that's one of the things in trying to get people to be willing to see these these youth the problem is you know for therapists is if you give therapy to these folks they come back down to the the same rate of suicide attempts as the general population which is about four to six percent so it's it's really important to provide these kids with support super important yeah, absolutely. And I think just like having a lot more of those like bullying experiences and kind of trying to find navigate your way to what identity you feel like fits you best if it doesn't fit into the natural mold that kind of the world presents to you just adds that kind of continued stress. And especially in those teen years where you're already trying to fit in, you're trying to find yourself, it's just that like additional thing you have to worry about. Absolutely. And if you look at um, students coming back after COVID, mm-hmm. we've heard a lot about how the rate of bullying and harassment has really shot up. And our kids, a lot of times, are the ones who are victimized by yeah. that harassment. They're pretty, they're pretty easy targets. Um, Glisten, uh, the Gay Lesbian Student Education Network, does a uh, survey every year of the schools in each state. And in Washington State, their, their latest um, survey showed that 86% of our kids will be bullied in school. Gosh. Now, that just knocks your socks off, doesn't it? I yes. Mean, it does. And I mean, you know, we have this big focus on like, stop bullying, stop this, stop that. And it's like, what are we doing to specifically target those identities that are being targeted like I feel like it's just a very general like stop bullying but not like why are we bullying about this what is our society saying about this that is kind of being brought into the school system and you know they're not learning the histories that kind of go around all these rights that we had people and activists fight for and you know especially in the month of June it's like the end of the school year but it's like you're not really seeing any of those celebrations in the school system still no no, and, and you know, I, I've, I've been doing this work for PFLY for about six, seven years. Mm-hmm. And a lot of this work involves going out to schools and talking in the schools and trying to help them address bullying. And I've really had a major shift recently. And maybe it's because of coming the kids coming back after COVID. But I feel like there's very little that we're going to be able to do to change the bullies. Mm-hmm. So I really, f- I feel like our focus needs to be on creating safe spaces at schools. Yeah. And, you know, one of the big issues right now has been particularly the Marysville School Board that has had this um, this change in procedure proposed for the, the, for the Marysville schools requiring kids K through 12 to have parental consent to join clubs on campus. And this is directed at the LGBTQ clubs campuses. And if you require kids to get parental consent, you are forcing kids to out themselves. Yeah. What it means is a lot of kids won't feel safe accessing these clubs. 
And these clubs offer such a safe place for these kids, somewhere to run to, somewhere to go to. Who's the safe teacher? Teachers, I mean, kids, kids find this out and they seek them out. But we need to do more to support these teachers and support these safe places within the schools for yeah, our kids. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I think this kind of transition is kind of right into my next question, which was kind of be about how to connect to these kind of resources that we want to provide, you know, the entire population, but especially with those kind of teens and those kind of early adults that are kind of getting into their identities more and trying to seek out those safe spaces. Um, you know, how do they find people who work with their community? How do they find people, you know, what therapy is right for you? Do you have any comments about that? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, there, one of the shifts that's happening in schools, finally, <laughs> kind of like with police departments, finally, they're beginning to see the value of social workers and counselors on staff. Mm -hmm. So we saw a huge increase in the number of counselors and social workers in, in the Mount Vernon School District and up in Skagit County. So it is critical for PFLAG chapters in particular to be working with these people in the school. One of the things we did this this year was put together packets of information that we took to all the school counselors so that they would have booklets. They have information on the Trevor Project to be able to hand out to students. Um, they can tell students about transfamilies.org, which provides support groups for these kids. Genderspectrum.org is another one that provide counseling and services for these kids online which is really critical for our students. Our students oftentimes have been burned too many times when they reached out. Yeah. Either somebody's outed them or they've been shamed. And so we need to be looking at the broad range of access points. And one of the things we've learned with Zoom is it, through, the, through the pandemic is online is an access point for telehealth. Mm -hmm. And more therapists are using that as well as in-person uh, sessions. Plus, there are support groups online. You can find support groups that are meeting online that are facilitated. And those are really critical to be able to, to, let, to let schools know about. Schools are your, schools are your access point. They yeah. see these kids eight hours a day. And when these kids are hurting, they're the ones who are going to be the first ones to see it. So we need, as a community, to provide our schools with easy access to those resources to tell kids about. Definitely. And do those resources that you just explained, do they need parental consent to access those, the teens? No. Good. Okay. Not. So <laughs> that's, you know, that's another thing, right? Yep. <laughs> Making I, sure I, that they have that safe space, like you were saying, and not having to kind of, if they're not allowed to do it in school, at least having another option to reach out to. Absolutely true. Absolutely true. And those particular facilities, those particular organizations also guarantee some level of expertise in working with particularly the trans, queer, non-conforming gender kids. And that is an expertise. Yeah, definitely. And I feel like, you know, we as kind of just a nice transition right into my next question of, you okay. know, how can we be great allies as mental health professionals and, um, you know, we want to make sure that we are creating these safe spaces, especially in the mental health field, because, you know, like you said, they've been burned so many times. Mm -hmm. And we want to make sure we're creating spaces where everyone does feel welcome, but they also feel like that you are working in their specialty and they are able to either identify with you or, 
understand that you understand their identity and that you want to work with them on kind of finding themselves in the right space. So do you have any suggestions on kind of how to be a great ally as a mental health professional? Absolutely. And there are some great, great things to have in your toolkit. Um, one is some kind of demonstrable symbol in your office space that indicates that you are a safe place to, for these kids in this. And uh, GLSEN is a great organization because they, they actually hand out people who request them these cards that say, this is a safe place for you. Oh, awesome. And in the rainbow colors. And we, a bunch of them at PFLAG, we hand them out to schools and tell people, you know, if in fact you are a safe place, use this. But what that means is that you are familiar with what it means to use a person's chosen name. Mm -hmm. You need to be familiar with what it means to ask people what their pronouns are. And then you need to be able to honor those pronouns. You need to be able to talk in a way that lets kids know that you've done some education yourself. Like when, when a kid or even a young adult comes in, or even an older adult comes in and the therapist says, well, when did you, when did you transgender? It's like, bingo, not the right words. And, uh, oh, I see you're a transgendered person. It's like, no. Nope. So it's not, it's not tough. It mm -hmm. isn't tough, but it does, it does take effort. And a lot of therapists won't, won't see people in this community because they're too, it, they feel like there's no way they're going to get competent with this, and that it's just too scary. However, therapists who do educate themselves and work with the trans community in particular talk about what feel-good work it is. Because when you can help these folks get access to medical care that is gender-affirming, mm -hmm. when you can help them get their names changed, get their social security numbers changed, driver's licenses changed, this is jubilation for these folks. And, um, and, and it's feel good work. And a lot of times with, with clients, you don't get that. You know, yeah. you, don't, you don't get that kind of, wow, guess what I did today? I changed my name in the courtroom and it was awesome. Or as a therapist, you get to go to the courtroom with this kiddo and let this kiddo change their name. You know, I mean, this is amazing. But you need that education. And there are places that provide it. For example, mm -hmm. in the state of Washington, if you go to Ingersoll, I-N-G-E-R-S-O-L, gendercenter.org, it's out of Seattle, they are fantastic. And they have step by step by step how people, what, what steps people need to take in terms of their transition, lots of information about do's and don'ts, things to have in your mind, what about hormones? You know, when people are just starting out, they don't know any of this stuff. Yeah. Every therapist's office should have a copy of the book, Where's My Book? by Dr. Linda Gromko, because it is a com comprehensive book on the trans, queer, non-gender conforming population. Everything you want to know is right in that book. And that's important because our kids don't see themselves. Like you yeah. were saying, they're not being taught about queer history. They don't not being taught about the Stonewall riots. You know, they don't know where they came from. They don't know the elders on whose shoulders they stand. And that's part of just, you know, being 
being who you are is seeing others who you can model after. That's starting now within this community, man. You have things online. Thank goodness for the online world. I know we damn it because of some of the things having to do with social media. But I'll tell you, when these kids can get access to information on their phones without having to have any any input from an adult anywhere, that's really important. And plus, these kids are talking. I mean, they've got the language. They've got it down. I mean, fifth graders, one of the you know hottest topics right now is I'm non-binary. Mm-hmm. It's like, good for you. Let's question these gender norms. You know, we made this stuff up. We can redefine it. Yeah. I love talking to these kids in classes because these kids are all about, well, you know, you have to do this, you have to do that. Well, no, you don't. We made it up. We can remake it. You can remake it. And these kids are doing that. They are doing that. I love them. (laughs) It's always good to see, too, you know, our younger generation kind of taking charge of what they want their futures to look like. I think that's one of the most like inspiring things about working with a younger population is that you get to see them one come into their own identity, which is just like a fun experience in and of itself, but just also seeing them like, you know, become active in politics and policies that are happening that impact them and have them have a real interest of like what they want their future to look like. And I think, you know, especially in these identities where they're, you know, they have been oppressed or they have this experience of kind of generational trauma just with their whole community. They have this real access point to, you know, they shouldn't have to fight for their rights, but the ability to do so, you know, is right for opportunity. And I think, you know, it, it gives the opportunity for young people to be involved and kind of get those mentors in the older community that have kind of been out and kind of, you know, did that work, work, Can't see me without making finger quotes, but, you know, did that work, you know, in the 60s and stuff and kind of see where things have come, which, you know, obviously we know there's been some, some progress, but obviously not as much as we'd like. And just being able to see like what's worked for them, where do we want to move in the future and being able to listen to these kids that want to be the future of their communities and how we can support them, I think is really important. It is really important. And, and it's also you know, important to be aware that we are in Western Washington mm-hmm. and we are uniquely blessed here to have access to resources. But across this country, resources are being taken away right and left. Yeah. And that is also important for our, our kids to pay attention to, you know, because and, and yeah. And we have to do better by our kids. We do. We have to do better, you know, with some of the options that we have now, particularly kids who are trans and non-conforming, who want to do different things with their bodies to make mm-hmm. their bodies reflect who they are. We have to make that more possible for them. Otherwise, I, I haven't said this yet, but I myself am transgender and I did not transition until I was 63 years old. So I grew up going through a puberty that I did not relate to in any yeah. way form. I lived my whole life looking in the mirror and not seeing who I was. And even at the age of 63, I wasn't over it yet. What I really decided was whatever time I have left, I am going to live as the male that I know that I am. And I did that. I don't want that for these kids. I don't yeah. want them to have to go the, the journey that I had to take to get here. We have better options now. We have to make sure they get them. 
Definitely. And I think, you know, it goes to show the experiences that you have in wanting that betterness for our younger generations is, you know, a great thing to have in our community that has, you know, kind of been through the trenches, but it's also like, you know, we're still seeing that. And it's like, why, why are we not impacting this change? And I think that's something that, you know, we as social workers are constantly asking our policymakers and our legislators of why are we still doing this? Right. Why, why is this still the question? And, you know, why am I still getting to these arguments with people that I know? And why is it so difficult to understand, you know, the fluidity of gender and that, you know, like you were saying, gender roles are made up. We made them up. Why are we against change now? And I think that kind of right. goes into the rhetoric of different political groups that we have now and just like different focuses that our, our government wants us to focus on. And I think there, you know, some distraction tactics in there definitely to kind of make you it seem it. like that this is the most important thing. And I think, you know, if you were to survey, you know, everyone across the U.S., I think we would find that most people do have these, you know, views like, like you and I of this is absolutely real. This is, you know, completely normal for someone to experience and that you have the ability to choose your own identity and we want you to be your most authentic self. And I think that that's something super important to me as, um, you know, a social worker and as someone in the mental health field that I could be a step along someone's journey to help them realize like you can be who you think you are inside and how can we help you reflect that on the outside. And I think that's, you know, something so important to do with our teens, but, you know, even with our, with our older adults, like you said, we want to make sure that, you know, whatever time that you have, that you are living authentically and living freely and just Mm -hmm. being yourself. And I think that's, it's so funny to me how people can argue that, like, what, why do you not want me to be myself? I know. And why, and, 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 you know, the other thing that's interesting that there's work we need to do with the older generation is that, these kids are coming out to grandparents. Mm-hmm. They are coming out to the grandparents. And grandparents are like deer in the headlights. They don't know <laughs> what to say. And nine times out of ten, they say the wrong thing. So yeah. when I get asked to go speak to Rotary Clubs or to senior citizen groups now, my whole mission is to teach them when, you're, when your grandkid comes in and says to you, Grandma, I am really, I'm, I'm transgender then what do you do? Number one, you say, there is nothing you could tell me that would change how I feel about you. I love you. I will always love you. Secondly, tell me about it. What's that like for you? Don't lecture. Don't preach. Don't debate. Don't say this is a phase you're going through. And thirdly, say, how can I help? How can I be a support to you? My, that would be amazing. If all of if and we all need something to say, you know, mm-hmm. not very many of us know what to say when somebody comes out to us. Yeah. And it's just those three simple things. And I think people forget how simple it can be. You know, when someone comes out to you, they're not looking for necessarily your, I mean, they might be looking for your approval. They shouldn't be because they should, you know, be who they are. But, you know, the easiest thing that you can do is I still love you. This doesn't change a mm-hmm. thing. You know, how can I, how can I learn more about this? Let's talk about it. And I think that people, they get so scared about what changes and, you know, we have this real opportunity now as like, you know, more media becomes available to the masses and more attention is brought to 
celebrating identities and because they're different, Absolutely. not because that we all kind of are the same person, but just the difference in different identities and, you know, the whole range of genders that you can be and identify with. And I think that is kind of the beautiful thing that we've kind of come into since, you know, everything has kind of been brought to the light, I guess. And I think that's something that I have really enjoyed, you know, growing up is that with friends that I have and, you know, people who have come out to me, it's been that ability to affirm them of fantastic. What do I call you now? Yep. Great. This doesn't change anything. And I think yep. that we're getting to the, getting to the point where we're seeing more parents who want to be supportive, but don't know how. So I think those three steps were amazing. You know, parents and grandparents can kind of listen to this and be like, Oh, it's, it's really is that easy. <laughs> it's really that easy. It's really that easy. And, you know, um, I do a talk that's called the science of gender. Mm -hmm. And um, it's actually on YouTube. If anybody wants to check it out, it's under my name, The Science of Gender. And it's all about in utero development and mm -hmm. all the many ways that cells combine to make us who we are that also can make us different genders. Nature loves diversity. And nowhere is that more apparent than in the first nine months that a baby is developing in utero. Fascinating. I mean, I find this so fascinating and nobody knows about it we're yeah. all taught, we're all taught it's xxxy and that's it your boy your girl everything flows from that oh my goodness there are so many ways in which bodies are different when they're born and our job is to get that and to realize that this is nature's way this isn't anything bizarre or abnormal this is nature's way we are all different get over it <laughs> exactly <laughs> the i think that's my favorite get over it like why yeah. do we why do you care that much about how someone identifies you know affirm them yes but like yeah. it's really it's really not affecting you so we it, can we can yeah. just how does, it hurt you? how does who i am hurt you right it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't yeah and you know sometimes yeah. people don't choose the the path of of kindness and grace and um, of just loving uh, loving everyone around them and you know we will continue to try to work with that population to get them to the point where they can you know affirm the people in their lives when they kind of go through things like this because you know it is so common it's it it's is. crazy to me that it's the uncommon thing like it's not it no. really isn't no there are plenty I, of us out there yeah <laughs> And I think too, it's important to know like on the other end of the spectrum. So if you identify as someone in the LGBTQ plus community, what should you look for? You know, is there questions that you think that they should be asking when they're seeking mental health supports? Oh, yes. Find someone that is going to be a great ally to them and who's actually going to provide support and help and not kind of increase the trauma that they've experienced in their life. And you know, it's it's a it's a difficult setup from the very beginning because mm -hmm. a lot of people who go to therapy or go for medical care are worried about outing themselves. Yeah. And so it's hard for them to, to do what the first thing is they need to do, which is to say, do you have experience working with the transgender population? Mm -hmm. Do you have experience working with the non-binary population? How much experience do you have? What is your own theory about gender? What do you think gender is? What what kinds of what kinds of therapies do you use with people who are coming in that may be looking to transition? Is that something you're comfortable with? And 
you get you get the sense pretty quickly when you're talking to people the problem with being with being in our community though is we take we take on somebody else's discomfort and feel shame about it we yeah. dump it on ourselves instead of being able to say well that's about them i you know i i i'm in a transgender support group and people have had such horrible experiences at doctor's offices and with therapists and they come to group and they say they feel terrible because they feel like well i just i must have said something wrong it's like it's not about you this really is about that person out there who had an opportunity to do the right thing by you and did yeah and didn't but you know the lgbtq community was the least likely community to seek medical care during COVID Ugh. because of how horrible the experiences have been at trying to go to doctor's offices. They are getting better, mm -hmm. but it has taken a ton of education and a ton of effort yeah. to get them there. And I think that's something that, you know, we try to tackle as mental health professionals is like spreading the word to the other health systems of how yes. can you be supportive? And I think something that, you know, something I don't think about when I walk into the doctor's office is that they're going to call me by the right name, that they're right. going to use my pronouns, right. that they are, you know, going to not, like if I have a health condition, they're not going to be like, oh, it's because of this, because you're, right. you know, it's right. because you're trans, it's because of your, your hormones, it's because of you're thinking this way, it's because you're, you know, you're engaged in um, sexual relations with someone of your same gender, like, no, it isn't, none of that no, doesn't do with anything, doesn't have to none do with the high blood pressure, maybe the stress, maybe the stress exactly. but i think that's something really interesting too to just like think about is you know the the health conditions that the community is yep. facing and that they aren't comfortable going to right. seek medical care because no. they are being you know shamed for just existing and you know a really a really simple thing that allies can do i mean i i love allies i love creating allies but when you if indeed you are a cisgender person, when you go to a doctor's office and you're given a form to fill out, and up at the top you have an M and you have an F, you as an ally can say to the reception people, hey folks, I'm just kind of concerned about this because you know, I'm a mental health counselor and there are people that don't identify as male or female. And if they come to your office right away, they feel like they don't belong here. You yeah. might take a look at that it helps it really helps to call attention and i think too that the you're given such great like small steps that you can take to be a better ally one but also yeah. just to make more safe spaces yes. and make more places in the community where it's not a battle just to get in the door right. and it's not like you know you you read one thing and it's immediately like all right great, this is one place I can't go anymore. And I right. think that we have, or I have the opportunity as a cisgendered person to make those complaints because I am the person who, you know, I kind of fit into society norms. You guys can't see me, but I am small blonde, you know, yep. perky yep. kind of person. Yep. So it's like, I fit into that very stereotypical woman, yes. that like delicate person, whatever. And it's you just, do. it is, so easy for me to have those conversations with yeah. people because they're like oh this one person who i you know fits the mold is actually like hey this is a, this would be a good idea to make a wave about this and it's easier you know to listen to me which you know sucks but if i have that power and that privilege why shouldn't i do that exactly. and i think that's something 
that we as allies and cisgendered people can really yes. make waves in the community without yes. taking the voices away from the community. Yes. yes, and it costs you nothing. No. But for a trans person to go in there and make waves like that, you know, immediately the person they're talking to is breaking eye contact with mm -hmm. them, is demonstrating discomfort. You know, there are these little small tells that you always know when you're looking for it anyway. But, you know, and I just, I, you know, I tell doctor's offices, you can put a little lapel pin on your collar that mm -hmm. is the progressive flag. You know, we hand them out when we go to, when we go, we just went to the Anacortes Pride Parade and marched in the Pride Parade at PFLAG's Gadget last Saturday. Mm -hmm. And we had a table after that and people could come and get materials. And we hand out stickers, we hand out safe place cards, we hand out all kinds of things that people can add to themselves. The Skagit County Public Health Department had us come in and do some sessions. They all wear lapel pins now. That is the progressive flag. Somebody in my community is going to see that immediately. Yeah. And I think it's, it's that thing, like we were saying, it's such a small thing that you can do to make someone feel safe. And yes. I think, you know, as mental health professionals, that's always our goal, right? You know, anytime I'm doing any sort of session with, with anyone from, with any identity is I want to make sure one, that they are safe. That's always my number one priority. You know, yes. we come from a trauma informed background and we want to make sure that everyone feels safe in the space that I'm providing for them. So yes. why can we not take these tiny little steps to make sure that everyone really does feel safe? Exactly. And it's a simple question. How can I help you feel comfortable? Yeah. You know, if somebody comes in and says, you know, I'm trans, I'm trans, it's really hard for me to be here. Tell me how I can help. Mm -hmm. you know? And I think, I think too, one of the things that um, I want to be, you know, always very conscious of is not using the community and the members of the community and those who identify with the community as my only education. You know, I want to make sure that I am doing that work on my own, but yes. making sure that those voices are heard. And I think that's a delicate balance as, you know, a professional. But I think that you want to make sure that you're taking in, you know, direct quotes, you know, taking in direct thoughts and, you know, ideas, but also making sure that you're not putting that burden on others to educate yeah. you. And I think that's something that, you know, our POC community deals with on a regular basis, Absolutely. you know, and it's like, where do we find that balance? And I think that's also something that, you know, any minority group is experiencing. So I think that as professionals, you know, make sure that you are taking the time to work with your clients in a way that makes them feel comfortable, but also make sure you're doing the work outside the session yep. too. Yep. You're ready. You want, you want to be ready. <laughs> that's yeah. it. <laughs> and I and think... that is the most common complaint in the trans, trans community about, mm -hmm. about therapists is it's like, I, I spend most of my time educating my therapist. And how, and how exhausting is that? And you're paying money for this, you know, yeah. a lot of people don't have insurance, you know, yeah. so yeah, you're paying money for this and no, you're right. Absolutely. Great point. Great point. And I think too, it's so funny because, you know, part of, I went to this, um, like recovery based talk, you know, I think it was literally last week in Mount Vernon. And one of the things I talked about was there's kind of like three levels of healing. So the first level is like intellectual healing. And that's kind of like how it works in that level is that you trust that your therapist, mental health counselor, whoever is, you know, um, proficient in their field. Like they have the information to teach you, you know, yes. do that psychoeducation, et cetera. So if you are already walking in level one and you're having to teach your counselor everything there is to know about your identity yeah. you are you are already phased out yep 
Yeah. And I think it's, you know, it's so funny that, you know, when I walk into an office, I don't have to teach about my identity. No. And it's like, no. Why? You know, we are such a diverse nation that we could we could do just a fraction more work and yeah. make everything accessible for so many more people. Exactly. And the disabled, you know, is the mm -hmm. same. I mean, it's like every marginalized group feels like they're there there's just there's no place to belong. And that is probably the most important thing that we as humans need is that sense of belonging somewhere. All right. I think that is actually, we kind of blew through all of my questions <laughs> and you just had some amazing points. And I really appreciate kind of just how we, how we did all of our tangents, but is there anything else that you kind of wanted to add to this conversation or things that you think people should be thinking about doing, celebrating this month? Um, join PFLAG. Join your local PFLAG chapter. Um, that money goes to provide information. And that really is PFLAG's, I think, one of its main activities is to educate, educate, educate. Um, and so you can join, get a membership to PFLAG. It doesn't cost much money and it goes to help your PFLAG chapter. Um, show up. Show up for activities in the community. If there's a pride event going on, show up. You don't have to march. Be in the, be in the crowd. It, it makes such an incredible difference. Um, in Anacortes last weekend, we had a, there must have been 40 middle school and high school kids that showed up to march awesome. in that parade. And the, the, you know, the streets were lined with people cheering them and, you know, giving them big high fives. I mean, it was just, it was really awesome. That means a ton to, to, to our community is seeing mm -hmm. that, kind of, that kind of help challenge people when when family members or somebody you know it doesn't it, again it costs you less than it costs me to be able to say wow i know some pretty darned amazing trans people and if you don't do yourself a favor you know watch the movie disclosure laverne cox's documentary disclosure is amazing um there's a lot of different movies now that you know have pretty powerful messages um the one called uh cowboys that's playing now is about a um assigned female at birth kid that knew they were a boy really early on and this very touching story about that kid being taught between warring parents one was supportive and one wasn't mm -hmm. it's just it's such a moving thing and it's exposure 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 definitely yeah all right. Awesome. Are there any upcoming events or resources that you want to share? Um, let's see. Um, well, PFLAX Gadget is going to be marching in the Log Rodeo um, uh, Parade in Cedro Wally. Um, and I think there are things and there have been things in Arlington. There are things going on down in Everett. Mm -hmm. um, your local PFLAG uh, chapter. It'll be pflagsnahomish.org for you folks. Okay. pflagsgadget.org for us and see what's happening around town and jump in. Awesome. Okay. And Lyndon did agree that if anyone wanted to reach out to him, had any questions, wanted to connect, um, he is best reached via email. Um, you can reach him at ljordan, which is J-O-R-D-A-N at pflagsgadget.org. And we'll also put that in our show notes in case anyone, you know, just wants to click over to that. Um, you can go to the pflagsgadget.org website. And then they are also very active on Facebook and can be found on Instagram at pflag underscore 
thank you again, Lyndon, for your time today. It was great chatting with you. I'm so glad we were able to connect and that you were able to be our very special guest for this awesome podcast this month. Great. Thank you, Olivia. Thank you.